0: Welcome to the Goddess Mindset Podcast. I'm Jada Capella, your exercise consistency coach, founder of Day Fitness, and I'm here to help you create a lasting routine you love so that you can stop starting over. After years of skipping my workouts and never making progress, i finally learned what it takes to stay consistent. So now I'm here to help you as much as I can. If you're ready to up-level your life, mindset and exercise routine, you are exactly where you're meant to be. A goddess mindset allows you to take control of your life, embody the gorgeous goddess that's already within, and finally live the life you can't stop thinking about. Thank you so much for being here. Now, let's get started. Hello, lovely. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we are joined by emotions coach Giselle from the podcast Mighty Emotions, and she shares her unique approach about the importance of emotional self-care, and she just simplifies things in such a beautiful way, and she also discusses the consequences we can face if we neglect our emotions, and she has such a beautiful story, and she shares so many beautiful takeaways, and I just know you're going to leave with lots of value today. So let's get into today's episode. Enjoy. All right. Hello everyone. Today we are joined by the lovely Giselle, who is an emotions coach and she helps overthinkers get unstuck by teaching them how to process their emotions. And you also Giselle specialize in just helping adults learn emotional self-care. And I'm so grateful that you're here. And she also has a podcast called Mighty Emotions. So welcome Giselle. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very
0: excited to be here. I'm so excited and I know that the listeners are going to adore you. So do you mind just telling us how you got started in becoming an emotions coach? Like really what inspired you to start all of this?
1: Yeah. So I had no intentions of ever being any kind of coach of any kind. And what happened was this thing called a pandemic that happened in 2020 and sent the world really into a tailspin. Um and it was during that period of time as I was navigating that and saw how other people were navigating that, that I thought, huh, I really have these tools that are needed in the world. Like I was helping other people, kind of coaching them naturally through their anxieties and stresses and fears. And and I was like, this is not common knowledge. And I feel like really called to supporting people with this. And The reason why I have these tools today is because when I was 19, I actually ended up in the hospital for trying to end my life. And the first 19 years of my life were horrific. I experienced every kind of abuse under the sun. Um, I bounced around between homes. I was homeless as a teenager. Um, I ended up being on drugs and being addicted to drugs and alcohol for a decade of my life. And so my first 19 years of life were really difficult to say the least. And I had so much trauma and I was so emotionally fragile. And when I eventually did receive the support and the care that I needed to get off of drugs and alcohol, it didn't actually give me the necessary skills to cope with day-to-day life and the challenges of that. And it was really a process of you know, first getting clean, getting a lot of support, going to a lot of therapy, then trying a lot of self-help, then doing all of these other spiritual practices. And for whatever reason, I felt like I just could never a handle of my emotions. I felt like I was always going through these cycles of de- being depressed and then being okay and then being depressed. And I thought, okay, my life has gotten better in so many ways. Why do I feel so awful? And I'm doing all these, all this work, journaling, meditation, mindset work, and it's, it's helping. It's helping me cope, but it, the emotions always come back. And I was honestly on a mission to eradicate negative emotions, as we call them, from my life. And this led me to really getting intimately familiar with my own emotions and studying them, like studying the experiences of them and doing that helped me see that they were actually beneficial to me, like all these emotions that I was avoiding and running from and trying to escape from were actually trying to help me the entire time because they were showing up when I needed something. And they were trying to make me aware of that. And I started to work with them. I studied positive psychology. I got a specialization in positive psychology. And I decided to, you know, do a bunch of different studies. And I didn't find anything that really could help me in a day-to-day sense so I created it and I created what I call the mighty emotions method which is this process that allows me to go from emotionally dysregulated to reg not only regulated but actually resolve that emotional experience like come to a state of conclusion with it I can now look back on experiences in my past, talk about it, think about it without the emotional charge, because I've allowed myself to fully process it. And I realized it's, it's not something that that's widely talked about or known, and people aren't really taught this skill. So I decided to go get certified in a bunch of stuff, emotional self-care. Uh, emotional CPR, uh, different trauma-informed approaches, psychological first aid, just so that I could have these frameworks to coach people one-on-one, support people one-on-one in a trauma-informed way. But everything that I do in my work really is rooted in the the coaching, if you want to call it that, that I do with myself every single day. And that is what I see as emotional self-care, is about taking care of those emotions when they show up instead of running from them and avoiding them and allowing myself to listen to them and work with them and process them so that I can take care of myself in other ways and get my underlying needs met. And yeah, it's really, it's in radically improved my life, um, not just in how it looks on the outside. Obviously that gets better because when our emotions are clear, we can manifest, but I have a family today. I have a husband who is amazing I can't speak highly enough of him so grateful for him I have a child I had my daughter during the pandemic so not only was there a pandemic but I was pregnant for the first time on top of that having to deal with all of the stuff that came with that navigating postpartum in isolation like it was a whole thing but I'm so grateful that I know how to take care of myself emotionally and and so that's really what I want to help other people learn how to do
0: wow you oh is you have such an inspiring story and thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I love ha- how you talked about there wasn't really this solution, like emotions was that missing link and you said you created it, right? You created the mighty emotions method. And I just, I absolutely love that. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners who can can connect to that, especially with um, those times during the pandemic, right? And if we don't have that deeper understanding of our, of our emotions. So then was there a specific moment that you realized I need to focus on my emotions? Like this is that missing link. This is why I feel like I'm doing all of the right things, but something's missing. Was there a specific moment that you realized that it was emotions you needed to unpack and understand a bit more?
1: Yeah, it was a very ordinary, non eventful day that I just, had this. I was sitting with myself. I was journaling. I was feeling really, um, I was feeling really upset and unsatisfied with my life. And trying to tap into gratitude, trying to force myself to be grateful. And thinking, you know, why do we have these emotions? Like, why do I keep suffering with them? Why does everyone else seem to be doing okay and I'm struggling? And it was just in that moment that I thought, I don't know. This voice within me was like, why are you trying to always avoid them? Right? Like, why do you keep trying to avoid them? That is the one thing of all the stuff that I'd done. I'd looked at my past, I'd looked at my habits, I'd looked at my behavior, but I'd never just stopped to look at the emotions. I looked at my thoughts and I never thought, okay, well, the emotion must be here for a reason. It was not something that anyone had ever prompted me to address. Um, Anyone had ever said, you know, like, why do you think you feel this way? And in that moment, just in that day where I was just reflecting and I thought, you know what, I want to understand this deeper. I want to understand why. I'm the type of person that feels like when we can understand the root of something, we can understand the why of something, it opens us up to so many more possibilities. All of a sudden, it's not this limited feeling, this helpless feeling of, oh, I feel this way because of this or I feel sad because you yelled at me and and I'm giving that situation the power, all of a sudden it's like, well, why in this specific instance is sadness the emotion I'm feeling? Why isn't it anger? Why isn't it shame? Why isn't it something else? There must be a reason that this is coming up and really uncovering what that is and realizing, huh, actually, there's so many other ways for me to approach this and ways for me to handle this circumstance. And so I think, that moment of reflecting and just being being brave enough to be curious and be like, well, why is this showing up? And actually looking at it, facing it, letting myself feel it was the only way I could actually uncover that, oh, if I let myself feel this, I'm not going to die. And my body's not going to shut down. And there's going to be another side of it. And there's going to be stuff to uncover that can help me. Um, And that has really, that has really been the the catalyst to everything that I do now and everything that I've learned and continue to learn about our emotions.
0: Wow. Amazing. So really that avoidance is what stood out to me, right? Like what specifically am I avoiding? What emotions am I avoiding? And I love too, how you talked about, I, I can feel this and be okay. Right. And, and just sitting with it and allowing to allowing yourself to unpack that. So then what type of women specifically do you help most? Like, and I know you have lots of clients that come to you. So, what do your clients often come to you with specifically?
1: I would say that the the pattern I recognize is that they come to me when they're in a burnt out kind of, mini depressed state. Um, I'm not diagnosing anyone with depression. They come to me self diagnosing as feeling depressed or being in a depressive state, and they're just kind of miserable right? Their lives might be okay. They might have other things going on, but they feel really disconnected, unfulfilled, unhappy. And they know that they struggle with their emotions. They know that they don't like to deal with their emotions. So they have that awareness, which is a great starting place. And then the work that we do helps them understand why approaching their emotions isn't the scary thing, why it's really, really beneficial to them, helping them become more neutral with their emotions, and actually understanding themselves at a deeper level. Because the missing link that I realized on my journey and that I help my clients realize is that you wouldn't be feeling this way if you didn't have an unmet need. So where do you need to take care of yourself? And I think that that's what stops us from developing emotionally and developing the skill of processing the emotion is when we don't even allow ourselves to go there when we don't even allow ourselves to look at it face it feel it and truly experience it and we could talk about how you actually feel your emotions later because people always ask me well how do I actually feel it a lot of people think they're feeling their emotions when they're thinking their emotions but when we allow ourselves to actually feel it and process it then we're able to kind of come back to life Um, I know that for me I was numb, and that's like the depressive state that I'm talking about, that state of being numb, because I was trying to numb only certain emotions and I wanted to be able to experience only the good ones. But the reality is if we numb any emotions, we numb all our emotions and we dull all of our emotions and we don't allow ourselves to experience the full range of them. That That's what makes life so amazing and incredible. And I share in my story that, Only when I allowed myself to feel the awful feelings was I able to actually experience the most enjoyable and pleasurable ones. So when my clients come to me in that state and we do this work together, it's like, watching them bloom like watching them begin to flourish come back to life literally they'll come to our meetings wearing all black for like the first three sessions and then they start to show up with color and like makeup and they're and they're just coming back to life they're smiling more they're being more playful they're laughing more um, and then their life gets better as a result of it right and the best thing that I love about my work is that even when we stop working together like we have a certain number of sessions that we have they continue to apply the tools that I give them that we work on in the sessions and they just get better and better and better at handling difficult situations at navigating challenges like their self-confidence is through the roof because they've learned how to take care of themselves so that's really what I love about my work.
0: Oh, And they're just so lucky to have you. I absolutely oh, you. love that. And I love how you talk to you about like experiencing the full range of emotions, right? Because we want to automatically focus on the more positive emotions that we associate with. Um, but that's a really nice perspective, like experiencing the full range of emotions. And you also talked about how awareness is always that first step. And I really appreciate your lighter approach and, and seeing emotions as neutral you spoke about right rather than than something to resist rather than something to be scared of and do you mind just explaining to listeners essentially what emotional self-care is and why why it's so important to have that deeper understanding and i know you've you've touched on this already but is there anything you would want to expand on absolutely yeah
1: emotional self-care is a tool that we can use to Enhance our lives to eliminate anxiety, to regain control of overwhelm and overwhelming situations. It's really the ability that when we have the chance to develop as children, like a healthy emotional development, we get these skills to be resilient, right? We have these resilient skills where we are confident in our ability to overcome hardship. We know that we know how to take care of ourselves, but many people like myself and my clients that come to me, they don't have this ability. They believe that they're helpless. They believe that they can't take care of themselves. They have low self-esteem. They, they struggle with just everyday life. And they're really good at forcing themselves and using willpower to get through the day, which eventually is not sustainable and leads to the burnout. So with emotional self-care, it's the ability to nurture ourselves using our emotions. It's the be- the ability to know that sadness is an indication that you need support or you need connection. The ability to know that fear is an indication that you need some kind of safety psychologically. And I give them a framework and a process to actually have some kind of structure, have these tools in their toolkit that they can apply in real life situations, because there's so many amazing tools out there to help us like breath work and meditation and yoga and they're amazing and we can talk a little bit about how exercise plays into this later they have a place but they often aren't that effective when we're in the middle of a hyper activated hyper triggered hyper emotionally reactive situation it's like how do we how do we get to a calm enough place to process our emotions fully and the way that our emotions are our emotions exist in As part of a system within us. So it's not just, oh, we have emotions and we deal with them in this way, I'm sad and I do this. It's not just the emotion to action. It actually comprises, it actually moves through a process of having the emotion show up. Excuse me, let me start again. Having a need unmet, the emotion shows up to signal that. And then our mind uses whatever information that it's collected, it's absorbed unconsciously translates that into some kind of action. And then we take the action, which is always to get that need met, and it allows us to have a resolution. But what happens is that we don't understand the signal. We don't understand what the emotion is showing us. We don't understand that there's a need that's not being met. And that confusion it leads to chaos right we just start to take action arbitrarily trying to trying to make it work trying to feel better trying to get relief. And we never get resolution because our focus isn't on addressing that unmet need I like to compare it in to like a GPS if somebody gives you directions and you enter it into the GPS and they gave you the wrong directions. You're going to follow those GPS instructions, but you're going to end up at the wrong place and you're going to be really confused and frustrated. And you might even drive around in circles trying to be like, why didn't I get to this place? And you're not going to get to the right place, right? But if you get the right directions and you put the right directions into the GPS and you follow that process, then you're going to arrive at your destination. So having those emotions arise and having the emotional self-care framework to know how to go through the motions, go through the process and get to the resolution, address the root of it is how we we use this tool to find more peace, ease, stability, mental stability in our lives. Does That make sense?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It does. And I love, yeah, I like that GPS analogy as well, right? If you don't, if you aren't going where you are wanting to go, you have those wrong directions you're not going to end up where where you want to so and I know you mentioned this um previously when we talked when we first connected that I was um wanting to learn more about and you mentioned how emotions are different from feelings so I would love for you to to explain that um a bit more especially for our listeners so how how do emotions differ from feelings yeah,
1: so this is a fun thing that I love to talk about because it's such an important nuance that we don't really we don't tend to make. Like when it comes to language, we we use words interchangeably when really they're different words for real for a reason. So emotions, feelings, and moods in positive psychology, they make the distinction between each one. So the emotion is the primal instinct, it is the physiological response to an unmet need. The feeling is the impressions that we have, the thoughts that we have, the opinions we have about what we're experiencing. And a feeling is something that we can kind of change depending on how we change our thoughts. So that's why you'll hear people say, oh, your thoughts create your feelings. That is true, but your thoughts don't create your emotions. That's the difference our mood states are way more flexible. We can change our mood using any, like, there's external tools, external conditions will dictate our mood. So that's why people will say, oh, well, external conditions are the reason that you're going to feel a certain way. Yes and no. It's It can change our mood, but it's not the same as an emotion. So the reason that it's important to know this distinction is because the way we address it, the instructions that we need in the GPS to get to the right location have to be different, right? If I'm trying to change my emotions by changing my thoughts, I'm gonna find myself frustrated because I'm changing my thoughts, but I'm still feeling this this horrible way. If I'm trying to change my environment or change my circumstances or use some kind of tool to hack my mood, I will temporarily feel better, but the emotion will come back because I haven't addressed the underlying emotion. So it's super important that we can kind of deal with the emotion first because the emotion is the root. Like the emotion is our our instincts. It's our intuition. It is the most honest, raw parts of ourselves. It's always guiding us when we're in alignment, out of alignment. If we're not listening to it, then it doesn't matter how many, you know, thought work, how much thought work we do or how much, you know, different actions we take, we're going to end up back in this unsatisfied, dissatisfied, unhappy place, because we haven't gotten resolution for that actual emotion by getting the need that's there addressed, right? So for example, if I'm hungry, I have this physical signal in my body that I need to eat food. My mind goes through this process of, translating you know what food do I need to eat like where should I get food should I uber should I whatever the case may be it decides what the action is going to be and then I take action I eat and then I feel satisfied and I'm fine and I move on with my day right but if I have that sensation that I'm hungry and for whatever reason I don't eat for a delayed period of time I'm eventually I'm going to not feel so great I'm going to be maybe angry I'm going to you know be really uncomfortable unsatisfied so the way that we deal with an unlet need is by learning how to identify the emotion, the need that's connected to that emotion, and then moving through the process to get resolution. Feelings are definitely our perception. Like our feelings are just, if it's a sunny day, how I feel about that sunny day is gonna depend on what I think about sunny days. And if something horrible happened to me on a sunny day, way back when, like our feelings are connected to our past and our histories and the information that we absorb, but our emotions are always that first starting point of something's off, something's out of alignment, you need care in some way. Um, and, And so it's about learning that, oh, addressing this first is going to affect the feeling it's going to affect the mood because the emotion is actually the root of it
0: okay amazing so really emotion is that deeper level right like way below Mm -hmm. the surface is kind of how i'm visualizing this so then how do women create this self-awareness like how do we learn to understand our needs
1: yes i love this question um First of all, we have to know what our needs are, which we aren't often taught. We're taught that our needs are food, clothing, water, shelter, everything else is a desire. Um, And we don't trust our desires because we're kind of taught not to trust our desires for whatever reason. But a desire is actually like a a smoke signal that there's a need that isn't being met, right? I wouldn't desire this thing if it it wasn't going to fulfill me in some way, right? So our basic needs as I teach, my clients is safety, freedom, meaning, and connection. Those are like the the high-level buckets. And within each one of those, there's, for example, safety. There's physical safety, but there's also psychological safety. For freedom, that means being independent, having autonomy, being able to have choice, Uh, play and pleasure and leisure, which a lot of us neglect a lot of the time and can't understand why we're so unhappy, but it's like, you're not making time for that need for play and pleasure to be met. Or meaning, you know, having things that give us a sense of purpose, sense of importance, Um, knowing what our values are and living in a way that aligns with those values, taking actions in ways that align with those values. When we're not doing that, we often feel guilt or we feel shame, right? So it's important to know that like living in alignment with our values is a need. Connection to ourselves is a need, making time for yourself, connecting to, reflecting on what you're actually thinking, taking the time to practice emotional self-care, process what's showing up, but also connection to other people and when I say connection to other people, the, distinction, the difference between spending time with people and hanging out with people and being connected to people is your ability to be present, right? And a lot of us are so in our minds that we're not really comfortable being present because the minute we're present, we're very aware of the discomfort in our bodies because of all the unmet needs. So if we know how to practice the emotional self-care, we're gonna be so much more comfortable being present with ourselves. And then there's also the connection to something greater than us. Like it could be a religion, it could be a deity, it could be some kind of spiritual practice. For me, it's like nature and divine and universe. Like whatever it is, having that connection to something greater than you to know that you're part of something bigger all of those things exist in our society in some kind of way because they fulfill a need but we don't realize we don't see them all as needs and that's the biggest crux of my work is trying to communicate that the reason we live in a world of so much dissatisfaction and unhappiness and lacking fulfillment is because we're not aware that these needs aren't being met and our emotions are trying to make us aware of it by making us uncomfortable like i like to tell my clients like Your emotion is uncomfortable on purpose. Like That's the only way that it gets your attention. Pain gets our attention, right? It's not enjoyable. It's not pleasant, but it's that that signal. It's that notification. And then when we can do the work to understand, okay, what do I need to feel independent? What do I need for meaning to be filled in my life? What do I need for connection? What do I need to feel safe? When we are able to focus our efforts on that, then the emotions that we're always seeking, like gratitude and, and pleasure, pleasurable emotions, let's say, they come naturally. They're part of the experience of having our needs met.
0: Oh, I love that. And I love all the different examples you gave, like safety, freedom, right, play, pleasure, connection. So that's kind of, I guess, a, a nice checklist for listeners <laughs> to kind of to kind of run through, though, and and start that self-awareness. Where in my life do I feel safety right that that certainty that comfort and where maybe is it lacking right where do i maybe not have autonomy um and i love how you talked about emotion is like a signal right. To, to learn from, and it's this communication. And I thought of right away, kind of like when you put your hand on a stove, right. You're, you're <laughs> not, you're not gonna, you're going to take your hand away. And that's the signal. I'm not ever going to do that again, but mm-hmm. a painful way to learn, right. And emotions a lot of the time can maybe be more subtle, but if it's continuous, right. If it's a pattern, you, yes. you eventually have to ask yourself, okay, what am I supposed to learn from this?
1: exactly it is that i love that you said that it is that ongoing when it's just repeating over and over it's like you're really not paying attention to something here and i do just want to caveat that we're not going to get our needs met 100 percent of the time like our society just isn't structured in that way i'm a mother i'm a parent i can tell you as a parent that the minute i gave birth the needs went down on the priority list and the difficult, challenging, uncomfortable emotions like anger went up on the list, you know, but that's just part of life. And that's why it's so important that we have this method, that we have an emotional self-care practice so that when it does inevitably come up, we can take care of ourselves. That was that's that was the biggest kind of um, stuck point I had with other conventional healing methods. Not that they're bad or that they're wrong, But they do a a really good job of helping me deal with something that's already passed and already happened and i'm in a safe place and i can navigate that but didn't really equip me with the skills the know-how to deal with the emotion when it came up in the future because again it was always this well you felt this way because this happened or because this person did this thing so i was thinking okay well i'm not going to feel that way because i only felt that way because this happened When the reality is no, the deeper reason you felt that way is because your needs weren't met in that moment. So now, when that feeling shows up, you know that it's connected to a need. You know what need it is. You can focus on getting that met instead of trying to control whatever the external circumstances.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. Yeah, asking yourself, well, what about the present? What does this look like in the now? Mm -hmm. Um, And how do you respond to that? So, and then another question I have too is, what are potential consequences if we neglect our emotions like what could that look like
1: yeah, so like what you mentioned like the different kind of levels of intensity of our emotions depending on you know how long have my needs been neglected, right? Have I not eaten for an hour or have I not eaten for 10 hours? That's going to be very different. Have I not slept for an hour or have I not slept in 3 days? Like that's going to have a very different impact on me physically, mentally, emotionally. And when we aren't taking care of ourselves intentionally and regularly, there definitely is Different ways that that can manifest. So for me, it would manifest as physical pain. Um, it would manifest as like chronic pain, chronic fatigue, uh, just feeling exhausted all the time because suppressing our emotions is a huge effort for our bodies. It's using so much energy just to keep them suppressed that it kind of drains our energy from other resources, our mental energy. We have the brain fog. We struggle with that. Um, so, so that's one way that we can struggle with it being really snappy with our partners or with, you know other people around us like we just have this shorter window of tolerance like things that might not be a big deal when we're feeling good and nourished and taken care of can be super super triggering when our needs haven't been met for a long time and we're struggling because we're suppressing our emotions so the window of uh, narrow window of tolerance uh painful chronic pain or chronic fatigue physical symptoms getting sick a lot is also an indication often um, and it could be just like getting a cold all the time um, if we're, our immune system is compromised when we aren't processing our emotions um, but there's so many other ways that it can manifest and it's always dependent on how do we um, how do we avoid our emotions right some of us avoid it through drugs and alcohol and then there's physical ramifications of that. Some of us try to avoid it through just distraction all the time. You know, we never have any kind of sensory rest and we, our minds are just overloaded. Some of us try to avoid it through comfort eating, which I don't I don't uh, shame anyone for comfort eating it is a natural way that we try to self-soothe. But when we're constantly trying to self-soothe through that without ever addressing the underlying sadness that we're feeling, That is going to, or the shame that we're feeling, that's going to also have physical ramifications. So there's different ways that it manifests depending on the intensity of it, how long our needs haven't been met, but also what ways are we, what harmful ways might we be engaging to avoid it.
0: Wow. Oh, yeah. And I love how you just can simplify things in a really nice way. So would you agree that it takes more energy to resist our emotions physically than it does to just make space for them and, and understand them? Oh my think-
1: goodness. <laughs> a million percent. <laughs> it requires so much energy to resist. Resistance is the biggest energy suck ever. Um, and And I didn't realize that for a long time. But now that I know it, I practice surrender a lot more.
0: Okay. So then I guess a question too is if how does someone know that maybe they're resisting emotions? Maybe they aren't they aren't aware of it. Or if someone is struggling, how would they know that they're resisting their emotions? Does that question make sense?
1: Yes. No, that is a perfect question. I would say that it depends on the way you can test it. I'll say, I'll answer it that way, is whether or not you can sit. In a quiet place by yourself with no distractions, with nothing going on, and feel ease in your body. Like, if you feel like this surge of needing to move, needing to go somewhere, needing to distract, needing to do something else, if you can't sit with yourself and be really present, then I would say that there are emotions that aren't being processed and aren't being addressed. If you feel tense in your body a lot, if you feel sore in different parts of your body, I hold a lot of tension in my shoulders. So I always have to do stretching. And whenever I'm not dealing with something, I start to feel pain in my shoulder. I know, okay, there's things that I need to process there. So there really are physical indications because our emotions are housed in our unconscious mind the unconscious part of our psyche and that is in our bodies that is connected to our nervous system so that the physical sensation that we feel the sensory information that we have is what our emotions are essentially like our feelings like I said they, that's in our heads that's our, our thinking our thoughts but the physical sensations in our body are our emotions so when I was first beginning to work with my emotions. Sadness was the first one I had to tackle. And dealing with the grief of being alone and and feeling disconnected, like so much sadness had to be processed. And it was getting familiar with where does sadness actually show up in my body when I'm really present with how I'm feeling? Where is that, right? Where does anger show up in my body? Where does shame show up? Shame shows up in my gut. Whenever I'm bloated, I'm like, okay, I know (laughs) there's some shame here to unpack. That's just That's just what I've learned from actually becoming really familiar with them by noticing, being really present with what's going on in my body.
0: Wow, this is, it's just such a unique way of understanding emotions. And I love that test that everyone can do, right? Just sitting and in silence and and feeling, ideally feeling at ease, right? Or seeing if you feel at ease in that moment. So, and then we, we talked about exercise briefly before, um, Mm -hmm. but how can exercise be an effective tool as part of our emotional self-care practice?
1: Yes. So exercise is such a great tool because movement helps us shift energy, right? So in the four-step process that I've created, the first step is to notice. So it's that awareness. It's that not just aware that you know, I feel sad or whatever the case may be. But even just being aware that you're uncomfortable, physically uncomfortable, you can't sit still. So you have that awareness, you know that there's something there. The next step is being able to honor that by allowing yourself to work with, embrace, surrender to that energy. And there's many different ways we can do this. The way that I do it now, because I'm so comfortable with my emotions, is I can just sit and let them, you know, let myself experience them. But movement, when we're just starting out can help so much with shifting that energy and instead of fighting it and resisting it we're actually surrendering to it as we move our bodies so exercise a lot of people when they're really anxious and they're really stressed or they're really angry they go to the gym because they get all that energy out they exert that energy the issue is that oftentimes we stop there and that is why the process doesn't end up getting resolved and that's why it just cycles back around and around and around and we feel overwhelmed or we feel anxious again. So after we've processed that energy and our body is more regulated, our nervous system is back in like a parasympathetic nervous system state, then it's about, okay, why was that emotion showing up? What in my life is out of alignment? Actually doing that analysis using the very powerful tool that we have called our brain and our mind, which we often let run the show, but it actually works for us, right? We can ask the right questions, we can, find so many solutions to things when we intentionally use our brains. So after we shift that physical energy, it's about sitting down with ourselves once we're calm and feel safe to sit with ourselves and reflecting on, okay, what's out of alignment? What needs to change? What need isn't getting met? Taking the action to get that need met and noticing that emotion just goes away. It doesn't come back. I mean, the work that I do with my clients, sometimes they go for walks for the honoring their emotions phase, right? It's just about the intention you put into, okay, I'm going to do this activity not to get emotional relief, not to just run away or avoid it, but just to get it to move through my body so that I can be grounded enough, I can be anchored enough in my body first so that I can look at what I need to do, what I need to change, what needs to shift so that I can take care of myself. It always starts in the body. And then we move through the process of understanding with the mind. So exercise is an amazing tool if we use it in this way. If we use it to just feel better, okay, go back to my life. I'm still really unconscious. I'm still really unclear on you know, what's happening. Then we're gonna find ourselves in this cycle, in this pattern that just keeps coming back and back.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. So I like that having that clear intention and that's what popped in my, to my head before about avoidance. Like, do they just use movement for avoidance? But that's where you mentioned having that clear intention is so powerful. And and I,
1: I did it myself. Like I realized that, okay, after I work out, I feel great. So, you know, every time I don't feel great, I'm just going to work out and feel great. But I mean, I can't work out 12 hours straight. You know, I need to, at some point I had to say, okay, rather than using this just to avoid, I can use this to get to a state where I do feel great so that I can actually kind of do that inner processing.
0: Amazing. And something too that I just thought of that I used to do all of the time in university. And I feel like this connects is, I used to get really bad test anxiety like before I had an exam. So before every exam, I would go... I would go like run or walk on the treadmill for like 30, 40 minutes before my exam and I would feel amazing and it would help so much. But I'm also wondering if that was like avoidance of my anxiety. (laughs) It was, but that's okay. Like,
1: you know, I do want to stress that for anyone that's listening. It's like, oh, my God, I do this to avoid my emotions. It's like you're allowed to avoid your emotions. Occasionally, you're allowed to distract yourself that it's healthy. You, Like I said, we can't get our needs met all the time. So it's not about becoming obsessive about it and and policing our behavior it's just about that awareness that if you find yourself in these kind of depressive cycles or you find like you're overthinking and you're in your mind all the time then there's something in your body that you might be avoiding and i love that you said you did this before an exam because i bet that physical regulation allowed your mind to be clear for you to actually focus in the exam right
0: Mm. A hundred percent.
1: I had to do it every time because I (laughs) did so much better. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's okay. Like I think about, When I need to take care of my daughter and I'm really in a state of like, okay, I haven't slept in three days, I might just like do some jumping jacks. I might just do something so that I've given myself a space so that I can think, okay, what is the next thing that I need to do? What am I responsible for? And I can get to the next moment. Sometimes we have to just get to the next moment and these tools are great for that. Movement is great for that. But what I like to always really impress upon people is that if we never complete the process, we're never going to gain the skill. We're never going to strengthen and train our nervous system to withstand discomfort. We're never going to be able to understand what our needs are and understand how to take care of ourselves because we're always just using these quick fixes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was just thinking of too, that, that temporary fix only creates temporary change. And I say that too, with, with exercise, right. With consistency, we need a, we need to create a lasting routine that works for us. Right. And that, that fits within our lifestyle. So yeah, I I totally love that. And so when it comes to prioritizing our emotional self-care, what would you say are your best like tips and strategies for women?
1: Yeah, so the first thing that I would do is do something that allows you to get into your body, right? So when my f- clients first start working with me before we even dive into what the emotions are, I, I tell them that there needs to be a time every single day that you practice checking in with yourself and being out of your mind and into your body. Like if I go, shh, listen. And there's a pause, there was a moment there before you started thinking, why, what am I listening for? What is she going to say? You were paying attention. You were alert. You were present for a second, right? Like we know how to do this. We know how to intuitively feel sensations in our body. If I ask my clients when they come to me, like, where do you feel discomfort? They can tell me. Like we we can do it. It's just something that we don't practice. But it is such a foundational step in order to being in order to be able to process our emotions is becoming really familiar with them and aware of them and comfortable with physical discomfort, knowing that it's not gonna kill us. So practicing, if it's in the shower, noticing feeling the water on your body in the shower every single day and being really present like clearing your mind not thinking about anything or sitting in a room and noticing all the details all the colors being really present with the things around you we spend way too much time in our heads and it allows the disconnection between our bodies and our minds is what causes trauma like it is what causes um the inability for us to feel at peace right it's that mind body communication needs to be restored so working on the connection to the body and then using the mind in an intentional way to reflect on okay where is something not getting met in my life so looking at those four buckets that we talked about and thinking to yourself okay what are some things that help me feel Playful, what are some things that help me feel connected to others or connected to myself or connected to community and then intentionally scheduling time each week to carry out that activity right and and getting that intentional. Need met, proactively getting that need met, I should say, you're going to notice a difference in how you feel. Like you're, it's unavoidable because the feeling is connected to the need, right? So taking care of ourselves in that way rather than just living on autopilot or just doing what we're expected to do, but being really intentional about sitting down with ourselves and thinking, okay, what do I need to feel safe? Or what do I need to feel, um, what do I need, what gives me a sense of meaning? What are my values? like getting really clear on that. And what way can I behave that aligns with that values and saying, okay, maybe that is, I value taking care of, you know, the environment. And so you find a group that takes care of the environment. And once a month you go out with that group and you guys do something together and you're getting meaning and you're getting connection. You're going to change the way that you structure your life so that you are taking care of yourself more, you're nurturing yourselves more. And the beautiful part is that those uncomfortable emotions that would plague you before, they don't happen as often because there's no need for them. There's nothing for them to signal. You're getting your needs met, you're nurturing yourself. And so you're feeling the more pleasant, uh, positive, uplifting emotions. So Getting into our bodies, doing things to help us connect to our bodies, being doing things that help us get really present in our environments and getting out of our heads is step one, always. Nothing happens until this step is mastered. But then once you can do that, because maybe you're really good at that already, okay, how can you structure your life in a way to get your needs met and nurture yourself and take care of yourself? Um, and knowing what those things are in advance means that when emotions arise, when difficult things arise, You already have these things at hand, these tools at hand, the activities at hand that you know you can turn to. Like maybe it's painting. Maybe you haven't painted in a long time, but maybe painting makes you feel great. For me, it's Pilates, Reformer Pilates, the best thing that's ever been invented. I love it so much. But like for me, it's that. So I know that I need to schedule a Reformers class as like every week or as often as I can, right? And things like that are going to help you take better care of yourself and feel feel more emotionally solid and feel more resilient.
0: Amazing. And it's nice to like, the more you do, the more you try, you you get a better better understanding, like you loving Pilates. I love that too. (laughs) Um, That's so great. And I love how you mentioned like coming off autopilot and this programming, right? We're doing the same thing every single day. So just connecting and getting into your body. And that could even be like two minutes a day, right? Because there Mm -hmm. might be, um, that automatic response of, Oh, I don't have time, right. I'm too busy. And like, even you being a busy mom, what would you say to some of those women who maybe have that automatic, um, reaction of, Oh, I don't know, have time, right. How do I, how do I focus on myself? But that really could be even just two minutes a day that, that mindfulness of being present or what would you think?
1: Absolutely. My favorite thing to do is to lay on the floor, Um, That's really great. I love to lay on the floor (laughs) and feel the floor holding me up and release and surrender in that way. I also love to practice moments of sensory rest as a mom, especially as a a mom of a young child. Again, I don't always have the freedom to have all this time to myself or whatever the case may be. I just take my two fingers, stick them in my ears and hear my heart beating and muffle the outside world and close my eyes and tune into my body. And I promise you two minutes of that, you will come out of that feeling so much more grounded and be like, oh, okay, I gave myself a moment. I connected with myself for a moment. Now I can think more clearly, what do I need to do next? There's so much rushing from this thing to this thing to this thing without that pause in between. And so practicing these little ways of connecting to ourselves. This is why the work that I do, I'm not going to tell you to sit down and journal for an hour. It's. I'm not going to tell you to sit and meditate. I'm not going to tell you to do any of these things because what I realized on my journey is that when I'm actually in an activated state, none of that stuff was helping me. I needed things that could help me right away. So it was about whether it's just rubbing my hand along my forearm and being really, you know, really noticing what that sensation feels like that's enough to connect to my body, anchor into my body. And then after a minute or two of that, I can think, okay, what do I need to do now? Where do I need to take care of myself? How can I take care of myself? And asking ourselves those questions is going to help us take the action that actually gives us that peace and that resolution instead of just kind of doing things, but they're not things that are going to actually take us to our destination. We're just taking action because we're hopeless, we're confused, we're helpless, we don't know. So it's about finding those little those little things and honestly, sensory rest, laying on the floor, top tier if you're a busy mom, takes 2 minutes.
0: That's amazing and I love I love the idea of just plugging your ears, right? And and really like you said, you use the word anchoring and even just grounding and I love that your approach is just so new like to me and, and unique because again, yeah, it's so I find we're we're saturated with, you know, journal for this long, meditate for this long. And like you said, it wasn't as effective and like, that's not what you needed at the time. So this is again, such like a new fresh way of, of dealing with emotions and you make it so simple. So I, I just love that. Giselle.
1: Thank you. We overcomplicate life enough. I was like, this, yes. is, this doesn't have to be this hard. I really, I see emotions like, I see processing my emotions and practicing emotional self-care like brushing my teeth. Like it's just a necessary skill that I need to navigate my life, right? The ability to not be overcome by my emotions because I actually know I'm prepared when they show up. I am I know what is happening to me. I'm not panicking, right? Like I, I posted on my Instagram, like your emotions are a signal from your body that you need care in some way. They're not a reason to panic. But when we don't actually have a relationship with them, it can really feel like this is life or death. This is fight or flight. We're in this trauma response. So again, it's about remembering the process starts in the body, anchor into the body, get the mind clear. And there's so many different ways, like what works for you might not work for me, but each of us can find simple ways to, you know, put this into our day-to-day life. Another thing I'll share really quickly that helps my clients ground is counting um so i will say like rubbing your palms of your hands together like cupping your hands together and rubbing them together as you count backwards from 60 it gives your mind something to do (laughs) other than stressing and worrying and ruminating and it's connecting to your body at the same time and when you finish counting down to 60 you're going to feel a lot more anchored you're going to feel a lot more clear and then you can say okay what do I need to do to take care of myself? That's always the the second question. And I find simplifying it in this way is what makes it something I can do even on my worst day. If it's a 12-step process or if it's this really complicated thing, when I'm really struggling, I'm not going to be motivated to do that. But when I know, okay, I can just ground in this way, I can just look for a way to take care of myself. Maybe it's drinking a glass of water, whatever it may be, getting some fresh air, then I'm more likely to actually get up, take the steps and get out of that emotional slump.
0: Right. Wow. It's such powerful questions. And again, we want, I'm sure we want to create this pattern, right? Yes. Um. But, oh, thank you so much. I, <laughs> I'm leaving with so many takeaways today and I know, I know our listeners will as well. So thank you so much, Giselle, for taking the time to be here. I know you're such a busy mom, busy wife, um, and you're just so lovely. So, for women who want to continue connecting, continue learning, where are the best places to find you, to connect with you? What do you prefer?
1: Absolutely. So I would say that uh, Instagram is great. Uh, There's a lot of content on there already. I show up there Uh, quite often. So that's mighty underscore emotions. I love having conversations in my DMs. So if you DM me, Giselle, at mighty underscore emotions, and just say hi, say that you listen to this podcast, type in the word goddess, I would be happy to give you a discount to one of my needs assessment sessions. You'll get 20% off if you use goddess, either at the link in my Instagram bio. Again, that's at mighty underscore emotions, or you just DM me the word goddess and I send it to you um, and my need is my needs assessment sessions are where I just ask you a series of questions to unpack, okay, where of your needs aren't getting met, help you to get that clarity and build out a plan for you so that you can start taking those simple actions to get your needs met and feel better in your life. So if you go to my Instagram again, mighty underscore emotions, I'm also on TikTok at the same handle on TikTok. I do more educational videos. I kind of break down some online self-help advice um, with my way. So if you like the way that I shared about things in this episode, then you'll probably like how I share about things on TikTok or how I break things down on TikTok. So yeah, TikTok, mighty underscore emotions. And yeah, those are the best ways to, stay informed on what I'm doing, what I'm working on. I have a book coming out this summer um, that's going to (laughs) really, I think it's going to blow people's minds the way I explain it so simply and clearly. And I hope that it gives people this feeling of, Oh, like nothing's wrong with me. I just needed this information and now I have it. And now I'm going to improve my life with it. So um, look out for my book uh, coming out this summer. And I'll be sharing more about that on my Instagram again at mighty underscore emotions. And then I have my podcast where I talk all about, you know, things that we struggle with. And I kind of shed some light and help people understand why they struggle with certain things, whether it's setting boundaries or it's, you know, social anxiety, whatever it may be, things that I've helped my clients with, I share that on my podcast, the Mighty Emotions podcast. And I'm going to start having guests on as well, because I just want to have, I want to normalize emotions. And the more we talk about it and talk about the fact that we have them, and we feel them, and that we survive them, uh, the more comfortable we can get with them. My mission is really to Eradicate the negative stigma attached to emotions and to make it something that people feel comfortable with so that we can have a more emotionally mature society. So, I think that as women, we are like the caretakers, the nurturers, you know, we are the um, stewards of this planet, of our families, of our communities. So, when we can take care of ourselves and we can nurture ourselves we can nurture others so much more and so better, so much better. So
0: yeah. Oh, so beautifully said. And yes, I'm so excited for your book. I can't, I will 100% support you. <laughs> um, so that'll be really great. And yeah, all of Giselle's info will be in the show notes. So all of her links, everything, um, but Instagram, TikTok, and your podcast as well, which is super exciting. So again, thank you so much, Giselle. And I can't wait to stay connected in the future.
1: Absolutely. And I'm so grateful for you inviting me on to have this conversation. And I really, really hope that the listeners gain something useful from this. So thank you
0: again. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Well, thanks. Thanks, Giselle. We'll stay connected and enjoy the rest of your day. Hi! Thank you so much for choosing to spend this time with us today. I hope that you're leaving with lots of value. And if you love this episode, or if there's someone in your life who might need to hear this episode, please share it with them because it could be life-changing. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for you. And I hope you have a gorgeous goddess day.